Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. It's been called the Asbury Awakening or the Revival. But what happened there and what does it mean? Well, many of us have seen pictures. We've watched video. We've heard reports. Jason Williams actually went to Asbury, Kentucky, uh, the university in Kentucky. He's a researcher, a writer, the founder of Taxpayers Association of Oregon, and he bore witness to what was happening there and what's happened in other places around the country as a as a result as well. So I thank you, Jason, for joining us to help give us some perspective, a firsthand account of what you witnessed. You wrote an article on the subject. I'm not sure where our listeners can find it, but I so appreciated the detail in which um, you went in describing what you witnessed. Thank you uh, for joining us. Yes, it's great to be here. Well, let me ask you, first of all, why did you go to Asbury? Did you go to be a spectator as a reporter? What was your purpose in going? Uh, well, as soon as I saw the first news report of it that, you know, that the, the students were having nonstop prayer services, prayer and worship services a day and night, uh, I knew something was happening, and I bought a plane ticket that day, and I just felt like I wanted to go and research it and understand it, and I ended up spending a lot of time doing something a lot of other people didn't do, and that I interviewed the people there because Thousands of youth descended upon this small town and were waiting in long lines. And I, I sat there and I had a chance to say, why are you here? What are you experiencing? Uh, what uh, issues does your generation fa- face? And it really opened up uh, my eyes to what was going on. Well, of all the things I've uh, read on the subject, I appreciated the fact that you did talk to students who had gone there, either as students or had traveled there from uh, from somewhere else. And you gave us a glimpse into their hearts and their particular struggles and how this event related to uh, why they were there and what God was doing in their hearts. You begin with a quick uh, history of awakening movements and their impact on America. And I appreciated being reminded of uh, some of the things that have impacted the course of our nation because of similar events. Can you give a brief review of what you wrote? You bet. I mean, uh, obviously, during the uh, early stages of America, during the colonial days, there were two great awakening, two great revival movements. That helped give birth. Those religious spiritual movements helped give birth to the liberty movement, gave it a national identity, which then helped form the Revolutionary War and gave us our independence. Another kind of great awakening moment helped to give birth to the abolition movement, which then you know started the Civil War. And then another great awakening mo- mo- movement uh, actually helped to lead the temperance movement where uh, the, uh, the um, U.S. Constitution Amendment was changed to for prohibition. So there's these different moments in U.S. history where revival breaks out and it impacts social issues down the road. And so when Asbury happened, it's like, okay, I think something that happened here may trigger other things mm-hmm. that will uh, impact America. I know a lot of people, when they saw the reports or watched some of the video, they immediately took sides. This is just emotionalism, or they they either dismissed it as being young people getting together to express their emotion or that this was a great move of God. I appreciated that you didn't just take other people's word for it. You actually went, you spoke with students, you witnessed what was happening. And I think some of your observations were very astute 
uh, about those who the young people who were there and those who came as observers. Now, it all started at a regular mandatory student chapel service. Tell us a bit about that beginning and how just a few students grew into thousands of students. Yeah, you will love uh, this story. Basically, uh, they had a 10 o'clock. The, the whole student body had to be there for chapel service. There was a soccer coach who usually spoke at these services. He came unprepared, so he decided to speak from the heart. He gave a very personal message, nothing remarkable, but very on point. And, and he said, uh, and he kind of shared some of his personal struggles, and he said to everyone, if you're going through some pain, why don't you hang out after chapel service, and we will pray for you as long as it takes. So chapel was dismissed. Nineteen students went down for prayer, and the band decided to stay, and the prayer was so touching. People were so moved they could not stop, and the band could not stop. They just kept praying and worshiping, uh, and they, it went all afternoon long. And then the word got out around campus. It's like chapel never ended. Something's happening there. People started coming in. As soon as they walked into that room, they felt something. So they went all night long, and then it just continued for several days. Uh, obviously, for two weeks, it just kept going. Uh, they eventually went to a, like a 12-hour service, but word got out. People came, and you know, a lot of stories about students, they just – they walked into that room and they felt immediately changed. And it, it was a very a beautiful experience. Mm. You uh, made the point that what you witnessed was um, a crowd that was astounding in size, um, that there were several meeting halls that ran live broadcasts. Uh, all of them were packed. Uh, and you met along the way some folks who had, had either been at Asbury or who came there to join in to what God was doing. You write about a youth pastor who had just arrived from London, and he was eager to observe what was happening uh, there and to report back to his nation. Yes, yes. Um, all kinds of people were coming in from all over the place, and they were just arriving. They, you just person would walk up, and it's like, oh, I just got done driving 10 hours through the night, or uh, it, it was amazing. But having a chance to talk to the young people, um, they shared a lot of real uh, personal stories um, in, in what made them come to Asbury. I didn't know this, but with social media, there is so much pressure on young people to be perfect. Obviously, you know, the, on social media, everyone always talks about their perfection and not their flaws. Mm -hmm. You have cancel culture. Then you have a church that, that's really trying to protect everyone by, by being a little bit overprotective at times. And so what I didn't know was that for a lot of young people, they're afraid to share their feelings in a youth group, in a small prayer circle even in private among friends, they are so afraid to say who they are. And then suddenly they saw these videos of Asbury where a thousand students are just cheering and they're coming to the forward of the stage and they're sharing their testimonies, their flaws, their failures, and their overcomings. And something snapped in them where they said, oh my God, that's what I've been looking for. Mm. I don't feel like I could say who I am and I just want to go. And I just want to be with those people, and I want to be free. And so for a lot of people who stood in line for hours, these students and young people were dying just to, just to uh, open themselves up 
uh, and, and celebrate God that way. And uh, and one more thing is like I share in the report about two these two high school girls that I ran into. For them, it was a different story. They were in a public school. And it's like they wanted to. They knew that there were Christians in their public school, but no one would talk about it. No one would organize anything. No one would would do anything. And and they, when they saw this Asbury, that like, hey, there's other students. They're celebrating God. They got into a car and they stood in line for like four hours in the cold, just because they wanted to celebrate God with other students, and they felt like they couldn't do that in their city. Uh, and so it was it was touching. And this is why I feel like Asbury is it's it's sending us signals that the youth and the students are desperate. They are absolutely desperate for God to experience God more, to share their feelings, um, and celebrate God, and they are willing to get in a car and drive a thousand miles nonstop Mm. for it to happen. One of the things you point out is that COVID had thoroughly wrecked the mental state of young people, and you talked to several of them who have been gripped by fear and isolation in ways that I think we perhaps have, have underestimated or misunderstood. Absolutely, man. One one girl in line, she was telling me, she was 25 years old. She, when COVID hit, she was so paralyzed with fear, she locked herself in her bedroom. She gave her cat to her neighbors, and she would not come out. She was so afraid of it. Uh, God helped heal her from that. And then, you know, when Asbury happened, she said, I, I want more of this, God. But the, uh, one of the things that the testimonies of the students at Asbury, when they when they would come up and share their story, they would say, just by coming into that uh, that r- revival hall, that chapel, they felt like all of that isolation, ex- they called it extreme isolation and extreme loneliness, it just vanished. And the what COVID did to the younger generation, it just obliterated human relationships. Um, and... The interesting thing is, like the students, the, the university allowed the students to run the show. Uh, they were doing the worship for this chapel service for two weeks. They were doing most of the sermons, and um, there was what I have never seen before. And this is intergenerational unity. The older generation was there, and they were praising and honoring the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And the, which you never hear the word "I am so proud of generation." you know, Gen Z, Generation Z, you never hear that word <laughs> among humans in America. But they were praising the younger generation. The younger generation was praising the older generation. I mean, that that by itself was a miracle, uh, seeing this beautiful display of intergenerational unity. And there was a boldness. You know, Acts, the book of Acts talks about when the Spirit fell, people spoke with boldness. There was some boldness of preaching that was – it was not what you would think of boldness. It was just so on point, so simple. Uh, it was really transfor- transformational. Hmm. You um, have a couple of charts in your article in which you point out that America's youth are drowning in an ocean of depression in staggering levels. And Asbury represented a chance to break out that this being in close proximity to one another, being encouraged by an older generation, it was an expression of the body of Christ where there was unity and encouragement. 
um, within the crowd. But again, I think we've underestimated the tremendous weight that young people carry and they don't feel they have the freedom, perhaps even in their own churches, to express um, what they're experiencing and, and how to get out of it. You write about some young men who struggle to escape pornography and feel the weight of constantly being bombarded. Even These aren't people who are seeking it out, but being bombarded with images that have made it very difficult for them to escape, I think is one of the words uh, one of them used. Can you talk a, a bit about that and how um, they felt so challenged, yes. overwhelmed, and ashamed, but didn't know how to break free? Yeah, so I asked these people, like, what are the issues you're facing? And one of the most common things was they feel like they're being crushed with pornography. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with, I mean, every youth uses TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, but they feel like every time they turn on TikTok, they they want to go there to watch sports videos or car shows, and they, but TikTok keeps pushing very sexual themes on their phone, and they can't get it to stop, and they don't want it. Facebook guy was another guy volunteered with Facebook. He says like, "Hey, I go to Facebook, and all I do is get these things thrown in my face." And these guys, I mean, they brought it up themselves, mm-hmm. and they're saying like, "We we're trying to save ourselves for our, our wives and marriage, but it's impossible." And another guy was sharing like with Netflix, he says, "I cannot watch a single Netflix show." Without there being something inappropriate in it, which is, which is very god awful truth, um, and so, and I tell you, uh, we as, as the older generation, we gave phones to nine year old kids and said, "Here's your babysitter. Here's access to all the poison and pornography the world has to offer," and then we came back to them seven years later and says, "Hey, why are you on your phone so much?" Um, hmm. And it's like. It And so the students, they wanted to go and find a place where they can feel empowered. There was a sense of one of the most common phrases among the people there was like, I need something more. I'm coming. I need more of God. They, The youth are being so crushed with everything. The churches that they're going to, they feel like it's not giving them the power or the ability to overcome these things that are just crushing them. And so Asbury gave gave these people a chance. You're talking like ten to twenty thousand young people descending on a small town of two thousand people, mm-hmm. coming in from all over America. They are desperate for a God that's a little bit more powerful than what they've been exposed to. Uh, and so I can I really see, and that's why I see we're going to see a lot of other things come up. If the youth are this desperate for something bigger and better. As long as people are going to be offering it, they're going to flock to it. Mm. You write about the the relief they felt after confessing their struggles, after repentance and hope for overcoming those very things. You found that among young women, there was a a bit of a different struggle. You mentioned it a a bit earlier, but this this pressure of perfectionism that you can't really confess that you struggle in any way. You can't reveal anything that's less than perfect, and it stifles them from sharing how they actually uh, how they feel, what they're what they're going through, even in safe environments like youth group, and this was especially a, a fear and a struggle for some of the young women that you spoke with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean they they just feel like they know they should share. They know they they should share a prayer request and be open with their friends. Um, they just need something 
They feel like they're so close to doing it. And Asbury, they just saw these videos. These women would stand up and say, hey, I had thoughts of suicide, and God helped me overcome it. And it just it broke through for them. And by the way, as I'm talking about how you know people are looking for more, and in a way, a lot of churches and religion, it's not giving them what they need. Uh, I also talk in this report, which you can find it on OregonFaithReport.com, but that religion is declining in America. But if you look closer at the numbers, there is huge growth within the decline, and that is churches that are more spirit-filled, that are more kind of engaged in their community, that are a little bit more active, um, those churches and denominations are growing. Sometimes they don't always get picked up, but like small ethnic churches, home churches, which tend to be a little bit more spirit-led, um, those are growing. And I gave, even gave the example of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church gained 2 million members in the last decade. Well, in the Catholic Church, one of the biggest, fastest-growing things in the Catholic Church is the Renewal Movement, which is a spirit-led Catholic Church. And so even though... Catholic churches' parishes are closing across America. There are new ones being built, but they are more, as I said, spirit-led and part of the renewal movement. So in a way, the church is capturing this new engagement with God, a, a more powerful, more um, connecting spiritual life. Um, but youth are are looking for it, and they don't always see it. Yeah, yeah. You write in the article, at its core, the Asbury Awakening, while a sociological event, is a movement of people changing their lives in immediate and tangible ways as they encounter God. It's a viral social movement focused on God, changing lives through him rather than gaining likes or followers on a personal level. What do you anticipate this move of God that we've seen there and now spread to other college campuses across the country and places uh, around the world? What do you anticipate this will produce in the individual lives of those who are part of it and the, the corporate body of Christ, particularly the younger generation in general? Um, well, that's a great question. And, and yes, the fantastic thing is like uh, at least eight colleges, they are doing a very big uh, worship and prayer um, all week long activity. So it is spreading. Um, and it's catching fire that you can you can uh, you can meet God in this way. And I, you know, there's going to be a lot of people throwing a lot of perspectives on Asbury, you know. And a lot of it, when you hear it, it kind of makes people feel a little bit more distant because it's like, oh, you have prophetic people saying, oh, God is doing this and this and this, and you feel a little bit like, oh, it's it's out of your hands, or this is something kind of mysterious, or you have other people that are. They just kind of make it more mystical than it should be. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, Asbury started because a handful of students went and prayed and wept for more of God and for help, and they didn't stop weeping and praying. And I tell you, when I went there and and I was in the overflow room, you can feel the Spirit of God, but ultimately it's a room full of people who are so excited, so hungry for God, they are singing with all their heart. They are praying with everything they have, and it is such a special experience. And what the encouraging thing is is that God shows up for that. Mm-hmm. And 
I think sometimes when we look at a move of God, we we usually think, okay, Holy Spirit's going to drop somewhere, and then, you know, it, and then we're just going to hopefully we could go run and find it. I think what I came away from Asbury was that if you are hungry and desperate for God, you start praying with everything you have and worshiping with everything you have. God will show up. That's right. And um, that is kind of an awakening. So this, what happened in Asbury, it can happen in Oregon. It can happen in your own room. I've had times in my life where I've said, hey, i got this big problem. I'm going to read my Bible as long as it takes all day long, and I'm going to worship all day long until I get – so I find I hear God's voice. And I tell you, sometimes I feel like God walks right into the room. But that's seeking God with reckless abandon. That's seeking God with everything you have. So I want to let people know you're going to see a lot of things about Asbury, but I want to put the human side on it. We don't know what God's going to do, but I tell you, if if we do what they do, and that is worshiping God with everything you have, praying with everything you have, and being hungry for God, God's going to show up and change lives, um, which he did. He God did his part. He showed up, and he just changed everyone who walked into that room. It was it was marvelous. Mm, I can imagine it. <laughs> it was. One of the things you write about is you make a distinction between those who were there seeking God um, yeah. pressing into him and those who were there as spectators. Uh, and I thought that was kind of an interesting distinction. It, it perhaps has a, a broader application to the body of Christ in general. Um, you made the point that every young person that you witnessed was engaged in that moment in worship and prayer and praise and repentance and confession. But they were those who were just spectators. And I suppose that's the danger of considering a movement like this, if you will, um, that we belong to one or the other camp where we are seeking God or we're observing what others are doing and, and drawing conclusions from sort of the outside. Yeah, so I went to this Overflow Chapel live broadcast, and it was, as I said, it was powerful. Everyone in the room, I went on a Friday night, everyone in the room was worshiping to their full measure. It, it was such a beautiful, people were repenting and and sobbing tears of relief and jumping for joy. I mean, it was it was a beautiful experience. Now, I came back the next night, and the experience was a little bit more muted. And I kind of was like, what's going on here? I mean, it's the same place. It's the same night, you know, it's the, the night after. Uh, uh, and I looked around, and I noticed that there were a lot more people that had come just to watch. Uh, and they were just maybe t- fiddling with their phones. And it was like, oh, what people's involvement in an awakening movement can directly impact the atmosphere and what God will do. It sort of reminds me of when Jesus says he couldn't do miracles in that town because there was no faith there. Uh, so we actually have a responsibility, and, and God gives us the ability to to uh, to play a role in these movements. But the funny thing was, so in this in this second night where it was a little bit more muted, all of the people that were not participating, it was just several handfuls of them, they were all older people. So in this room, every younger person under 25 was fully singing and participating and praying and giving it their full. But it was the older people that were looking on their phones, being distracted, and not. And it was like it was a complete flip-the-script moment because it's like, what are we used to? We're used to to thinking that, oh, the adults are doing the spiritual things and the kids can't pay attention. No, this was the exact opposite. The kids, the kid, the kids, I'm sorry. I apologize. 
the people under 25 were doing everything right and responsible. They were seeking God, and it was the older people that were, weren't paying attention or just trying to wait for something to happen. And it, the other funny thing is like – and some of the songs that we were singing, they were hymns. They were 100-year-old <laughs> hymns. So the, the young people, all of them were singing the hymns, and some of the older people – didn't even bother to sing because they didn't know the words or they weren't even trying. So it was, it was, um, I just want to say finally, I, I can't tell you how important it is with an awakening or revival. If God's moving, you need to give it your all. And um, otherwise, anything God's going to do, you're going to mute it. And that's, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jason, I so appreciate your taking the time to go there and bear witness and then to write about it in such a way that helps us to understand and to really contemplate what is God calling me to do in light of this movement among young people. Uh, again, uh, you can find the article that I've been referencing. Uh, I went to Asbury College Awakening, my faith in Gen Z renewed um, at OregonFaithReport.com. And by the way, there's lots of good content there uh, in addition to this article. Jason, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I just wanted to close with uh, uh, the how he closes his article, um, Hope for America, was the last section. And he writes, the student-led Asbury Awakening offers a renewed birth of optimism. It comes at a time for our nation when many people see a hostile society, government, media, schools, culture, that has turned against them. That's exactly how people throughout Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union felt in the 1980s when communism controlled the government, media, schools, and culture. Then, without warning, without signs, the entire empire fell in less than 400 days. A social movement birthed in liberty and complemented by the local church sprang up in Poland and spread like a pandemic, toppling communist dictators one by one. Seven different nations under oppression for almost a half century were liberated in about one calendar year. No one predicted it. No one saw it coming. Some communist leaders at the time implemented widespread arrests and killed as many protesters as they could find. It didn't work. The movement grew too fast and too strong. The idea of liberty had arrived, and one of the biggest empires of the world has ever seen was utterly helpless to stop it. If you want a vision for the future, look to the past. I find great inspiration in reading history when we triumphed over tyranny. I find great inspiration in the survival stories of the Jewish people in the Holy Bible who stood up against some of, the, of history's biggest empires, Egypt, Babylon, Assyria. As I speak, Asbury has spread to eight other college campuses. I had faith in the younger generation before, but by seeing it with my own eyes, my hope is renewed even greater. Again, Jason Williams writing uh, his article as a witness to events in Asbury. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.